Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 118, Embodied. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us, from our worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm here once again with my good friend and co-host and my pastor, Jesse Fury. Jesse, welcome back. We did this a month ago. Do you remember? Yes, it was a it was a fantastic podcast a month ago. Fantastic recording. What you guys? We lost it. <laughs> what you guys don't realize is that this is the beginning of our series on human embodiment. And I mentioned this last episode when I had uh, the Monahan Home Team kids on. But Jesse and I actually launched this series, and we it was one of those things where just like. We just had a great uh, in-studio time. Uh, everything seemed awesome. Yeah, we were in the flow. We nailed it. There, there was like the you know, spirit of God was in here or something. You dropping. had given me a monster energy drink. I gave you, yeah. That's right. It was like I became John Nash from <laughs> The Beautiful Mind. That's right. Yeah, you were connecting things. Uh, there was deep knowledge being dropped. You could, spontaneous color commentary by Jesse. And <laughs> it was just podcasting gold. We're not bragging. We're just... Just tell the truth, and you have to just take our word for it. And and but, but but to be honest, I had a new setup with a new computer and lights and all this stuff because I'm using an Apple Fruit computer, which I'm trying not to hate the interface, Jesse. I've been too too long a Windows guy, and I know I can't say I hate Mac OS yet because it's too early. But it's it's growing on me. Let's say that. But here, guys, here to be honest, if we had a good uh, feed of audio for this thing, we would have showed it. It literally sounds like one of these synthetic voices that Hans Zimmer did on the movie Dune. Really, listen. Here's what it sounded like and why we could not roll with it. What, what do you call that? What kind of hat is that? You know, dude, I'm so glad you asked. Um, is that, is today's that, today's, cow, today's is sponsored by Stetson. Uh, <laughs> it's a cowboy hat. <laughs> It is, a, it is a fedora, so it's a wide bend. We didn't sound like that in person, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know we sounded smooth, smooth. And, and nice, but we do uh, we do have something to do, Jesse, today in terms of reviewish. It is almost Christmas time. It is Advent. We're getting a tree this week, so there's a lot to talk about of why maybe the packages you've ordered, you're maybe sweating a little bit about whether they're going to get you mm, on supply time. Chain. That's right, the supply chain. I actually listened, Jesse, to a podcast. It's kind of my favorite atheist podcast because it's kind of an intellectual thing called the Mindscape podcast. And it's by an astrophysicist um, at Caltech named Sean Carroll. He's kind of like an, a very confident, let's say, naturalist, physicalist guy. And so I listened to it most most of his episodes, but one in particular I want to review us today was with a guy named Christopher Mims. It was called Our Interconnected Industrial Ecology. Now, Mims has just written a book called Arriving Today, From Factory to Front Door, Why Everything Has Changed About How and What We Buy. And so I haven't read that one yet. But the podcast where they interviewed Mims was fascinating to look at where your stuff comes from. So if you're interested in that, I recommend that book. I'm getting it soon. Uh, the reason why I'm a little delayed on that, Jesse, really is twofold. Uh, Mims also recommended a book called The Box, How the Shipping Container made the world smaller and the world economy bigger. That's by Mark Levinson. And I did read that book just recently and was phenomenally fantastic. I would say if you get to the middle of the book, the box, and you're a little bogged down, you're, you're probably okay to quit it um, because it gets into all this technical labor, longshoreman d- debates and stuff that 
bogs down a little bit in size of containers, standardization, all this. But the early part of the book is fascinating of how even the idea for not just throwing stuff in barrels and putting it on boats, but in these standardized sized metal containers with ports that are automated and designed to be efficient. Man, what? And now you can make a tiny house out of it. I'm thinking about buying a shipping (laughs) container, honestly, for a little, make a little tiny house out of it. Hey, I hear they're really, really good. A little bunker out in the woods. Yeah. But the guy who started that whole thing, was an American guy, I think, from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, who was into trucking. And he was into mergers and acquisition in the trucking industry. And it's fascinating to look at government regulation of commerce in this book, The Box. And to, to be honest, the, this guy is a really savvy businessman. And the way he kind of went about it, and let's just say that he he did the first, what's called business people out there, a leveraged buyout, where you kind of amass this debt with certain players to buy everybody and then take over the world. Uh, and so that is a fascinating book the box and then arriving today by christopher mims if you want to know if your package is late for christmas and why there's a kind of a boat uh traffic jam offside of long beach and even why la long beach became such a massive shipping port in our country you want to check out at least the podcast we'll put this in the show notes uh christopher mims our interconnected industrial ecology and desi i can't be quiet about the movie dune i just read the whole book dune as well uh, did you i just did man i, I read a fiction book my children are like dad what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> reading fiction books and uh they're actually proud of that because they've been on me to read fiction for a while i'm on the second book, Dune Messiah. Okay, right now, and uh, I feel I feel pretty good about it. So a little nerdy, though. It's been a while since I've read Dune. I did pick it up uh, and try to reread it before the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. And there just simply wasn't enough time. Hey, the the version on Audible is okay. phenomenal. It's okay. one of those that has a little bit of sound effects, different voices for different characters. It's quite entertaining, and uh, highly recommend the Dune audio book for. You. Well, guys, today we are saying, what uh, does it mean to be a human being? These are fundamental conversations that are very important today in in the borderlands between the church and culture. And so this series on embodiment is going to look at human beings and why the physical body of us really matters. Now, historically, Jesse, um, if you take a class in theology, you're going to take anthropology, the study of what a human is, right? A lot of times Christians can go to write, well, are we image of God? Does that mean we're good or sinful kind of things in anthropology? But really the issue of what we are uh, has become very important today because of this nature of what are we? Are we uh, body and soul, a unity, uh, what what theologians called psychosomatic unity, psycho, suke, the soul, soma, body, a unified body and soul creature, or in our day where there's so much philosophical naturalism, nature is all there is, physical things are all there is, many times we're tempted to say we are just a body, right? Now, there's a good thing about that because it's elevating the importance of yeah. the body where maybe some... Uh, philosophical ideas, maybe even going back to Plato, has kind of devalued the body, even in the Christian tradition. But uh, thinking human beings are just physical is common today because, right, we're just a product of naturalistic evolution. So this idea of physicalism, that we're only a physical thing, uh, has kind of come to sway. So even some Christian theologians and philosophers have gone that direction. But historically, for the most part, uh, either mind-body or body-and-soul unity has kind of been 
than uh, the Christian view. Now, there is another view, uh, Jesse. I think I think the first time we did this, you brought this up, this idea of trichotomy. Yeah. Uh, you want to share a little bit again? Well, yeah, trichotomists <laughs> would believe that there's a, a kind of third part of us, right? So there's there's body, there's soul, and then there's spirit. And uh, that, that that spirit is somehow different from the soul, the soul right. being the kind of, um, you know, the essence of life within you. But then the spirit is this sort of God. other thing connected yeah. to God, given yeah. to us by God. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a trichotomist. Yeah. That does come up for some Christian theological circles. You know, there's passages, I don't have them written in our notes, Jesse, but when Jesus says heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's right. Yeah. seems to be more than two, or maybe First Thessalonians 5 something says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be sanctified or set apart for, or changed, made holy for the day of Christ Jesus. Um, I take those to mean everything you are. All of you. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. And and whenever I'm whenever I talk with someone who's a wholehearted trichotomist, <laughs> um, I do often just kind of scratch my head, like, yeah. man, you are really reading a lot into what seems to be Jesus's way of saying all you are, all you are. That's you right. Know? And that's right. and maybe a bit of an allowance to a world more influenced by a Greco-Roman kind yeah. of worldview yeah. than the original um, kind of the, the law, the articulation right. in the Hebrew right. scriptures. But still, it's just yeah. all of you. And for me, man, I don't have any problem someone talking about their spirit or their soul or their body. That's language to talk about the you that's you and maybe relating to God and the physical part of you. Uh, what I don't think is necessary is multiplying these things into separate metaphysical entities. Yeah. Like yeah. I got a separate soul, a separate body. Body, a separate uh, spirit, even in my view of body and soul, I kind of follow after Thomas Aquinas kind of on this, I guess, but body and soul together, these are always in unity for the most part. I mean, there's some exceptions perhaps we could talk about. For the most time, a human being doesn't have a soul or a body. They are embodied souls. Right? Amen. And you know, this we've talked about this in the podcast before, but this is uh, this is this whole idea of embodied and embodiment is so important for a variety of reasons. I think. Read one, you know, we're living in the age that is is trying to sort out what does it mean to be a person, what does it mean to be a man, what does it mean to yeah. be a woman, um, yeah. what what do I do with this thing that I'm I'm kind of yeah. either trapped in or I I have yeah. as a you know joy or a blessing we like or we don't like we idolize <laughs> yeah. yeah but then also the more we get the further we get into AI, this right. question comes up. But what can a robot be a human? Can That's a robot right. be a person? Is it consciousness that 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 makes that that t- makes a turn from just a pure tool of technology to right. a person uh, to personhood? And I think uh, recapturing a sense of insult bodies. That's right. Maybe go back. Go, maybe go way back to I don't know episode three or four of the Gospel Under yeah. where we talked about AI and yeah. is it just the software running in a physical substrate that makes the thing the thing? And you know you can run it in a brain, you can run it in a computer, right? You can reincarnate people, uh, maybe through technology in the future. These things all come up. And today we live in a time, Jesse, in the borderlands where the body is being denied. I'd say it's due. In other words, we don't honor human bodies. 
enough. And so, for instance, we would say biology or our body should can be denied maybe just by our wishes or whims or psychological desires, right? Uh, people are using other people's bodies and abusing other human beings by the treatment uh, or objectification of people's bodies. Certainly racism, historic racism, classism, tribalism, neo-racism, all this thing that sees a person um, not as a unity embodied soul, but just maybe some particular aspect of a human body uh, in a degradating way. Or there's this kind of, I don't know, this may be meddling a little bit. There's this body denying, right, spirituality sometimes amongst Christians where we treat our bodies with great neglect and I would even say uh, hostility. Uh, for instance, uh, hey, if we're just spiritual beings and non-physical, we would just not care about our bodies, right? And so um, if you want to do a, a humbling search, uh you know, search for like Bible belt obesity, right? And you'll see a great neglect amongst the most maybe religious part of America. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to do that search personally. Yeah. I don't want to be depressed, but it's almost <laughs> do, like a, do this search just because I know some of your denominational affiliates. Nope. I don't uh, want to do that. Do either. this search. What, what is the fattest religion? <laughs> no religion. And, and that's a funny, uh, I know yeah. what the answer on Google it, is. That, it's so. almost a new form of Gnosticism, you know, in the early, early church wrestled with this, um, this kind of division between you know the the body is bad and the and the the mind or the spiritual spiritual aspect, aspect is, good. is good and so oftentimes that went either either the route of um, uh, overfeeding and sort of indulgence or it went the other route of, of starving and yeah yeah but the uh, our form of gnosticism there's not there's not very much knowledge yeah. the, the, gnos- <laughs> the gnosis right. isn't there That's as right. much either and, but and there's still that separation yeah, our culture either you know christian culture neglect of the body or there's there's like the idolizing of human forms you know we see that on instagram accounts or what people think is a perfect shape or people becoming yeah. obsessive uh with you know eating perfect and eating Eat Clean Bro is a company in Jersey, right? Um, we got to be careful. The body is very much in view, and, and we need a clear understanding of what it is, why it's important, you know, why uh, uh, we need to honor the human body as something created by God. So if we look at what it means to be embodied, uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Greg Allison, uh, published a book that came out this past year uh, called Embodied, and he said this in his introduction, embodiment is the proper state of human existence. This statement simply refers to the reality that people have or are in a body. In this earthly life, if we weren't in body, we don't, even more, we cannot exist. And so he's saying the earthly existence of human beings created by God are of this enmeshed body and soul unity, and that we can't exist without our bodies. Now, you may think about what happens when I die. Is there a state before? Because look, the Christian theology and Jesus taught this is that our even eternal state would be resurrected embodiment, right? With a different reality where maybe decay and, you know, certainly COVID-19, all, all the stuff that infirmities will not be with our bodies. But nonetheless, uh, embodied existence is in our eternal destiny uh, as well. And so, Jesse, I want to start out this series by looking at what I'll call body positive, uh, what is the body for, and then maybe some body negative, some observation mm. simply from our cultural moment. And so if you look at the Bible, body positive, 
right at the beginning, right, in the narrative of creation. Right? That's right. Yeah, I think it's important for us as Christians to remember that in our creation story, God, uh, you know, God, he created us, uh, he created us out of the earth, yeah. And he created us with bodies. Yeah. And it's at the moment of embodiment that we become made in his, his image. There's, there's, uh, recounts the story of not of God creating souls and then figuring out where can I stick these things. Right. There are some religions that might teach that, but there's this, hey, the real stuff of matter, right? Dust of the earth, dirt, right? Yeah. Pulling together and, and breathing life into it, right? And yeah. so, uh, and, and 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 what's more is there's a picture in Genesis one and two. Um, I'm thinking about Genesis one twenty eight. You know when here let me let me grab it when 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 we get recounted. Uh, well, actually, we'll start with twenty seven. So God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him, male and female He created them. And so you see the the beauty of the embodiment of male and female. They're both man. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, 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 the man, Hebrew word there being for like a holistic idea of humanity. Right? That's right. And, and so, uh, they're both, they're both man in this, in the sense of humanity and they're both made in the image of God. And there's not a class distinction at this point. It's not, um, man and then the lesser man, right. AKA the woman. And, and so you see this beautiful picture of male and female who together, uh, are made, there's so much similarities between male and female. Right. Especially when you compare to everything else that got created. That's right. Uh, and yet there are distinctions. That's and, right. And so in the, in the, in the togetherness and the distinctions, there's something that is, that is beautiful, that is, uh, that images God together, that male and female. And, and really when I've been thinking a lot about this because I think biology is our friend as Christians. Yeah. You know, science is our friend. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I was thinking about how the real danger, the real enemy to Christianity isn't science. It's, um, it's putting science to use to dominate, destroy, subjugate. Uh, um, um, it's the kind of the worldview in which the, the created order is meant to be uh, dominated, transgressed, formed so to, yeah. to basically let us be in God's place. Yeah. That's and right. uh, but when we look at biology, when we look at at the actual science of how we're made, uh, it it's really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, not only do we have the pleasures of sexual union, male and female, but but the 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 offspring. The you know God then says, "Now go and be fruitful and multiply." That's right. Offspring. Uh, had the pleasure of having offspring on the on the, on the podcast. That's which right. Like they they come forth and they grow and they they shape you and the world and this is all designed by god and it's interesting if you were to ask like the question okay god made males and females together in community to honor and image him and to you know com- propagate people um what when you ask what the human body is for right depending on where you're coming from worldview wise in the borderlands you're going to answer that very different yep right um if we imagine what you know any number of friends we might have that believe in god or not might say what the body is for you might say well 
staying alive, hunting and gathering, having children, uh, pleasure perhaps, enjoying sense perception, the sight sounds. The Aristotle even ancient called certain people uh, who were focused on maybe hedonistic things, the lovers of sights and sounds, right? Um, but there's an interesting thing that, that Jesus would bring to the world about human embodiment. Money, God honors human embodiment to the highest degree by the Son of God taking one on, right? That's he, right humbled himself and become a human being incarnation right we'll we'll look at that like why we're studying advent it's the looking to the incarnation of god right emmanuel god with us and then later on he he taught us that the body right matters to god and later on in the teaching of the apostles we see this, the purpose of our body, and this is a context of union, males and females, and sexuality, and all this stuff. Uh, there's this wonderful little phrase, therefore, honor God with your bodies, right? Um, we can, In other words, we can either worship God with our bodies, right, or we can sin with them, do, do that which God did not design us for. And in, in other words, I just scribbled this down. Our bodies are instruments to be played in honor of the king, not weaponized to dishonor God or debase other human beings. Now, um, this is, uh, this is interesting because, you know, there, there is this phrase. You maybe see it on TV or jokes about what you eat or whether or not you should drink Mountain Dew or not. They say the body is the temple, right? Yeah. Um, you can't use this Christian phrase, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God takes up residence with us in our bodies, right? Uh, you can't say that, that we should worship or idolize the temple itself, but it's a place, right, where we live in body to honor God. And there's a there's an assumption, right, that we should care for our own bodies. This is in Ephesians 5, a passage on marriage, really, that says, in the same way husbands love their wives as their own bodies. And so this is both a call to a certain kind of high love for, for a wife um, and an assumption, right, that they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ uh, does the church. Now, Dr. Allison uh, conveys this idea of caring about the body, and even in a disciplined sense, right? Uh, in his book, Embody, he said, through the physical senses, human embodiment brings blessings that are too numerous to count. Like, if you're listening, think about the many kinds of blessings you experience through your physical body. I mean, you can make a long list, especially if you're sitting down to holiday dinner. Maybe somebody's decided to cook a rib roast for you instead of like a turkey or something. Um, no turkey hate, but you know what I'm saying, Jesse? Uh, a little oh, yeah. prime rib roast. Um, or maybe you're a turkey person. You like that, Chris. I like the skin off a of turkey myself. It's not good for me, but I like it. Just think of the foods and the smells and why do people do aromatherapy? Why do people like essential oils? Well, many reasons, I guess. But there's all these sensate, through-the-body blessings, right? Um, runners high. You guys who run long distances know about this. The rest of us don't. But like when you work out and you feel good afterwards, there's all these wonderful blessings that come through the body. Allison continues, at the same time, it also demands bodily Discipline, God's design for his embodied image bearers is that we live physically blessed and disciplined lives in areas such as exercise, good nutrition, fasting, and feasting. There's so many positives about the body. Yeah, and, and 
you you triggered in my mind thinking about Romans 12, in which uh, Paul, in his letter to the Roman church, is equating spiritual worship with uh, with bodily uh, sacrifice. Uh, although he's not he's not spelling out like what the bodily sacrifice is. He's just simply saying, uh, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, right. right? It's not, right. it's, it's like, um, not just on the altar once it's a, it's a perpetual offering of our bodies. And then he makes this turn by the way, in, in Romans 12, where he, he keeps on the theme of the body, but he transitions to the idea of the body of Christ, that we are all members of the body and in the same way, there's a, so I would just say part of, part of the body positive worshiping of God is that um, when we are embodied in relationship with one another in ways that honor God, that's, right. uh, that's, that's right. also where, where we see you know, that we're, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, where, we, right. uh, where right. we need one another, where we got to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual yeah. songs, not just alone in my room to God, but yeah. to one another. Yeah. Uh, so that we can encourage each other towards worshiping God. Yeah, that's a great point, Jesse, that the human body is actually a metaphor for a greater idea that God teaches us through hands and feet and knees and toes, that there is a unity within the great diversity of the parts, and they all have their function and purpose. And this is really, all our doctor friends and medical people, nurses, et cetera, who are listening right now, you guys get this. And this has become more and more prevalent today, that you cannot treat the human body just as an isolate, yeah, I got this thing going wrong with my elbow well you got to look at the elbow but holistically you're more and more we're looking at health of the yeah. whole right so if i got some problems it might like i learned that i have my back hurts because of another part of the body that what isn't in my back right and so this idea of unity and diversity holism wholeness embodied and soul is a really good thing from god and we need to use our bodies to honor god but also enjoy the bodily beauty that god has given us and our uniqueness right as human beings, male and female, as received gifts from our creator. Now, body positive, we should be very positive, but there's a little body negative today, Jesse, in our culture. We certainly have seen like at least not just, I I don't believe that the use and abuse of human bodies began recently. Uh, This is, this is old as time right uh but it's certainly become uh more in view that the use and abuse of other people um we realize how devastating this is sexuality out of control abusing one another with our bodies is a massive problem in human community a body image right there's this is shocking but like the the artist formerly known as facebook the company meta right meta uh oh my gosh um there's actually internal research that they have in fact the instagram guy is being grilled by congress like right now i think um and 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 this is from a wall street journal art article about the research that uh, facebook and instagram have uh this is 30 Two percent of teenage girls, right? And I have one of those, uh, said that they felt bad about their bodies. If they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. So there's this deleterious effect on people because of comparison and shaming of our bodies, which God has given us and what people look like and who looks this way or that. Um, 
is a big, big problem, particularly in the the area of social media, especially when you can like put a filter on something or yeah. t- tuck some stuff around and, and give a false image uh, that then people compare themselves to, which it's all a phantasm and it hurts people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, how could it not make yeah. people feel worse? I mean, yeah. whether they're teenage girls or not, I mean, you know, uh, what people see when they see me is like, um, you know, it's they they'll see me from all kinds of different angles. They're not always flattering ang- angles. I see pictures. You know, yeah, it's the it's, yeah. the it's the joke about the picture you're tagged yeah. someone else's versus <laughs> you, you're the one you post. It's like yeah. people see the tag picture when they see you in real life. Yeah. And, and uh, but what I post on Instagram is going to be like curated, the most flattering yeah, look yeah, possible. Exactly. But then add to that. All the crazy filters that are yeah. like, I mean, I don't even understand them. Yeah, I don't either. There's one that you can stick your face on it and then move side to side. This is what you'd look like if you were perfect. I was like, what does that even mean, man? <laughs> what does this even mean? That's so wicked. So, yeah, but there's all kind of body image stuff we do to each other with shame and comparison. Certainly today, you know, how do we understand these complex issues like gender dysphoria, transgenderism, heterosexuality, homosexuality, polygamy, eating disorders? Uh, We just talked about photo editing, selfies, filters, Uh, real moves that sense to take us out of an embodied world and into virtual worlds like augmented reality. Or maybe I'll live my whole life through an avatar, right? right? Uh, where I can be a person in a world. Um, this is coming whether, whether or not it takes off. I, I certain, yeah, I have hopes and dreams that maybe some that I don't have to live my life with a virtual headset on, uh, <laughs> looking like goofy guy living in a world that I've made rather than the world that is, this is certainly, um, Massive amounts, billions of dollars will be spent, particularly by Meta, uh, to create that reality for us. I don't know if you saw Jesse Mark Zuckerberg's presentation of the Metaverse. It was, you know, his Facebook conference that they did. And uh, the tourism uh, <laughs> industry from Iceland, I don't know if you guys are out there have seen this, but there's something called the, the Icelandverse that these Iceland uh people put out and it's basically a guy who's dressed up like Mark Zuckerberg, but he's like walking around a, the same exact kind of room, but then is, is uh, introducing them to nature <laughs> rather, <laughs> rather than the metaverse. I'll play a little of the audio. I think it's pretty funny uh, about the Iceland verse. Hi, and welcome to this very natural setting. Today, I want to talk about a revolutionary approach on how to connect our world without being super weird. (laughs) Some said it's not possible. Some said it's out of reach. To them, we say it's already here. Seriously, look, it's right here. (laughs) And what do we call this not-so-new chapter in human connectivity? The Iceland Worse. Enhanced actual reality without silly looking headsets in our open world experience everything is real and has been for millions of years it's completely immersive with water that's wet With humans to connect with. You're human, right? Isn't she funny? 
<laughs> in the Iceland words, there's real moss. You can uh, look at, but please don't touch. It's it's very delicate. Skies you can see with your eyeballs. Volcanic <laughs> rocks you can caress. Really big geysers you can observe from a safe distance. Birds you can watch. They're really cute, but a bit stupid. Waterfalls you can stand near, like this one, and that one, and this one, and that one, and even this one. Horses you can ride, with hair you can touch. The Iceland Wars is a world with possibilities so endless, they'll be here forever. So join us today, or tomorrow, or whenever. We are really easygoing. Now, please enjoy our logo. <laughs> oh, Jesse, if you haven't watched that video, it's on YouTube. Just search introducing the Iceland verse, like universe at the end. And uh, to see it is even more delightful than to listen to it. But it's kind of poking at something. It's like the human embodied experience in creation is glorious. Um, we don't necessarily need to <laughs> explore and enjoy reality without being really weird. You know, um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'd love to do a review-ish when it comes out, but there's a documentary I just found out about yesterday um, called Desert of the Real. It's it's the same guy. So if you are a Wendell Berry person like I am, um, uh, they made a documentary called Look and See, a portrait of Wendell Berry. That was a few years back. And wow. now, they, now they're making one. Uh, it's produced by Terrence Malick, Robert Redford, and oh, wow. Nick Offerman. Wow. And it's uh, here's the here's what it the byline explores the denaturing of American childhood and the unexpected consequences of immersing young minds in the virtual realm. Wow! And then it, they're going to interview like um, child development, uh, yeah, um, folks who talk about the repatterning that's happening with young people in uh, virtual reality. So. I think there's some some significant consequences to growing up attached to screens and and even the kind of avatar life that that's right. young kids are growing up in. You know that sounds really important, actually. That research, Jesse. There, there's a book I read years ago called "Last Child in the Woods" by Richard Louv, making the same yeah. point, and it affects us holistically, like in terms of our immune systems, our learning to. Uh, be coordinated in our own bodies and actually interact with the real world. Very, very important. We'll, we'll try to get a link to that maybe in the show notes. Yeah. So the body is a good thing created by God. We can do some really, really hurtful things with our bodies in the world. And how we see the body, Jesse, is massively, massively important. Nancy Piercy, a brilliant uh, author, brilliant woman who wrote a book called Love Thy Body. And she's interacting with the different worldviews at play today. Like, say, if you believe that all we are is a body, and that's it, um, or you believe that we kind of are enmeshed bodied souls, it makes a very big difference. And these are a couple of quotes from Nancy Piercy's introduction to her in her book, Love Thy Body. She said this, C.S. Lewis put it this way, the Christian and the materialist have different beliefs about the universe. They both can't be right. The one who is wrong will act in a way that simply doesn't fit the real universe. We live today in a moral wasteland where human beings are desperately seeking answers to hard questions about life and sexuality. 
but there is hope in the wasteland. And Wendell Berry people like this, we can cultivate a garden. We can discover a reality-based morality that expresses a positive, life-affirming view of the human person, including the human body, one that is more inspiring, appealing, and liberating than the simple secular world view all around us. I love that. I love that. That's you know that that summarizes in a lot of ways what uh, what I'm trying to do with church is to cultivate a garden that is inspiring, appealing, and liberating. And and I mean to think about this in terms of embodied reality and how we view and use and and treat our bodies and each other's bodies is really that's a that's a powerful. It really, it really, Whoa. really is, and and I love that little idea that the, a little cultivated garden, you know, that's an outpost in a yeah. in a world like when you care for a garden, like my wife does, right behind the shed quarters yeah. every year. She does a really good job with it. She cares about it a lot more than I do, and and it it's different than just nature left to itself, right? There's better soil, there's growth thing, there's care to what's there, and you're right. The church is a metaphor of that. We we want to make little outposts, uh, even our own families that make up churches in communities, our little outposts. See, any, any kind of post apocalyptic kind of movie or TV show, if you think of like The Walking Dead, there's sometimes outposts, man. That outposts that are just evil, man. They're they're stealing and raping and pillaging the world, right? They're pirates with the lawlessness reigns, and there's other places where people are trying yeah. really hard to plant things, to care, to let love flourish, and then you gotta have a wall to protect from. Uh, uh, those who would destroy and take down. And and that is an overall view that I think Jesus would give to us is that we are disciples. We are members of a different kingdom. We are uh, a people within the peoples of the world that he's saving into all the time and that we want. He said, let your light so shine before people that they would see your good works, the way you flow in life and give what praise to your father in heaven and not to us, uh, not to us be the glory. And so, in conclusion, Sam Alberry, who's a, a an Anglican, I think, uh, minister, he, his recent book says what God, called "What God Has to Say About Our Bodies." He says this: "Your body and my body, it's not just there, happening to exist. It means something to God. He knows it." He made it. He cares about it. And all that Christ has done in his death and resurrection is not in order for us to one day escape our body, but for him to one day redeem it. Far from being a spiritual irrelevance, Scripture tells us that our body is meaningful, and so much of discipleship in the New Testament is spoken about in bodily terms. It is part of God's good, eternal plan for us. Now I'm going to clo- close Jesse with a comment by a bioethicist at Notre Dame named O. Carter Sneed. He wrote a book, What It Means to Be Human, The Case for the Body in Public Bioethics. And by that he means discussing publicly how we should honor and treat the body, even in the laws we make or we don't make. Um, and, and he gets to this idea 
that I think is very important, the the importance of purpose, right? Um, Why are we embodied creatures and why do we want to protect this? Why do we not just simply want to exist as a disembodied soul floating on someone's hard drive in the center of a a meteor that can't get blown up by nukes? This is the vision of a physicist from Tulane, by the way, how we achieve eternal life uploaded to the computer, put it in the middle of an asteroid. Is there more to life than that? (laughs) Jesse, I submit to you, Yes, this embodied reality. Uh, Sneed, who's a bioethicist? I love this quote being in a bioethics textbook kind of book. It's a real academic book. He said this, but more importantly, uh, the body, honoring the body, it helps us to develop into what uh, embodied beings should become, namely the kind of people who make the good of other people their own but most simply and directly by virtue of their embodiment, human beings are made for love and friendship. Amen. Jesse, I get so excited when I hear that because I I love it that I can sit in in a shed quarters with you and be embodied as friends talking about these important things. Any of you guys who have friends and the, I think the pandemic has taught us all this, that we feel so separated. Yeah. Churches want to regather. You want to go to dinner. You want to be in a concert setting with your friends. Why? We're made for this and our bodies should be used for the good of others, the honor of God, for love of God, love of neighbor. Quite frankly, I think Sneed nails it for the purpose of love and friendship. That's what our bodies are for, Jesse. Out in the borderlands, when you walk out in them, embodied, when you're going to dinner, when you're headed to a church gathering, we want to roll out in our bodies in a certain way. We look forward to the next few weeks where you guys join us to talk about embodied, the good, the bad, uh, and nobody's ugly. The Gospel Underground is a podcast produced in partnership with the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are fully acceptable. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up here to info at gospelunderground.org. And we're out there in social media world a little bit if you want to send us a note. Thank you for the feedback we've received on Twitter about the podcast, encouraging us to keep on keeping on. That is our plan. We are underground. We're not selling ads to Procter & Gamble. We're going to keep our voice, Jesse, (laughs) as a dialogue taking place in the borderlands. Uh, maybe not even J. Crew ads between the church oh. and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. Peace.